Philippians chapter 3, we'll be looking at verses 12 through uh, 16. And uh, continuing the study through this book, True Happiness is Possible Through Growing in Christ. I want to ask you, maybe if you recall your, your career, educational career, and some of you are still in your career, uh, but if you would say, listen, Pastor Dave, this grade or this year in college was not the best year for me, for whatever reason. Maybe it was hard uh, educationally, or you didn't like your teacher, or you had bad uh, classmates, but you said, this was a bad year for me in school. What was it for you? You got kicked out of fourth grade and fifth grade, and God still does miracles. He finished school. Amen. Second grade was it for me. I had, I had a very difficult teacher, and I did not enjoy uh, second grade. That was, uh, that was not a good beginning of my educational career. What about for you? Eighth grade was tough for Owen. Well, you know, it's, as humans, we obviously come into the world as babies. Do babies know everything? Do babies, can, can they just, you know, pass the SAT with flying colors and, and get uh, into the best universities? Is that possible? No, it's not. So babies learn, they grow quickly, and we know that for the first 15 to 20 years, we as humans are going to grow a lot. And that's expected. In fact, when it doesn't happen according to pace, oftentimes we get concerned. And uh, this was uh, something that we experienced when Audrey was first born. Uh, later, we found out and, and discovered uh, that, you know, she's just petite. Uh, but it, it, initially, the doctors were concerned and doing all these tests and thought she had some serious disease or something like that. And then in the end, they kind of looked at us both and they said, well... Her parents aren't that big. Uh, you, you know, David, you're not that big. Kim's not that, that big. So maybe she's just going to be petite. And certainly uh, she has been. So, but we understand that we want to grow and we expect to grow for 15 to 20 years. And part of that growing process is not just physical, but also throughout education. Some kids start, you know, preschool. And they begin to learn some things there. And then kindergarten, everybody pretty much has to begin uh, their formal educational career. And maybe you can identify with some of the emotions that uh, the kids that you'll see here in a few minutes uh, experience on their first day of school, and then at the end we'll see even one uh, after he went to a whole year of school. So look at this next one here. This first day, you know, she's excited. After the first day, she's not so happy. That did not go well. That was not all that she expected. It didn't, it didn't crack up to what she thought it would be. Second one here, uh, again, he's super excited. And then the second day of school, he's kind of like, again? I mean, we got to go back? Next picture we see, first day, excited. Second day, no, Mom, this is, uh, this is enough. And then the, the last one here, this boy has already been to school for, you know, for a year. And he comes back, he's like, Mom, I came here last year. You know, would you have to do this again? But yes, it is a, it is a lifelong process. And to be a Christian is no different. To be a Christian, just because you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, does not mean that learning and growing has stopped. In fact, uh, we have to understand that and recognize humbly our need for growth. Our need for growth. So humbly recognize your need for growth. We see this in Philippians 3.12 as Paul says this. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. Paul has been a Christian for 30 years. Paul has uh, witnessed to many people and seen people come to know Christ. And he has been persecuted. In fact, he's writing this from prison. So certainly there's a lot of accomplishments that Paul has reached as a Christian. But he says, listen, I understand. I have not obtained. 
all of this. I'm not perfect. I'm not complete yet. Then in Philippians 3.13 also, he says, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. And we'll see in a few minutes that Jesus Christ laid hold of Paul, as some versions put it, and saved Paul. But, but Paul's basically saying, yes, I've been gloriously saved, but I haven't completely fulfilled the purpose that God has called me to. He humbly recognized his need for growth. Being a Christian involves lifelong growing. Lifelong growing. How many of you, maybe in your career, in the last year, you've been required to attend, either online or in person, some additional training, some type of conference, something to, to improve uh, your career? You've, you said, yeah, I've had to do that. Look around. Keep your hands up and look around. Okay. So in common day examples, you know, we understand that. Yes, you know, teachers have to do this. They go through, they go to teachers' conferences and continue training so they can be more effective. Christina's a nurse. She's at work today at Northside Hospital. And she continues. She's only started recently, but she will have to continue uh, further training throughout the rest of her career. In fact, if she stops for a while and doesn't practice nursing and isn't working, eventually she will lose her license to nurse because everybody in the medical world will say, well, I don't think you're still effective enough or have the knowledge to be able to jump back in. Things are changing. As a Christian, we have to humbly recognize our need for growth and understand that it is a lifelong process. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and into the day of eternity. Again, this is one of the disciples of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He walked on water even. But yet Peter with Paul basically says, We haven't arrived yet. We're not perfect. We have to continue to grow. And he's challenging believers here to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll never forget a day I was uh, talking to, or I won't soon forget, maybe sometime I will in the future, but I'll never, I won't soon forget a day that I was talking with somebody I love very much. And he was talking about you know, some things in Sunday school in his church. And he says, he says David, he said, honestly, I know all that. I don't think I need to go anymore. I know the things that they're talking about. I've been a Christian for so many years, and, and I'm just kind of getting tired of, of going and just hearing the same old things, and, and I, I don't think I need to go anymore. Well, that type of attitude, unfortunately, led him down a path of destruction and eventually death, physical death, because he got to a point where he, he, he decided, no, I know enough. I don't need to go back. Not only do we need to humbly accept that we need you know, growth and understand that it's lifelong growth, but also being a Christian involves lifelong discovering. It involves lifelong discovering. Paul says this in Romans 11, 33-36, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? There's been many times in my life where I have picked up a phone or, or pulled somebody aside and asked, hey, could you give me some counsel on this? Could you give me some input on this situation or that situation? God has never once had to do that. Who's been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? 
For from him and through him and to him all are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Now, as long as we are on this earth, we will still have things to discover about our God and our Savior. Kim and I have been married for 26 years, but there are still some times that I learn new things about her. Now, the longer that we're married, the less frequent that that happens. But every once in a while, she'll come up with a fact or a childhood memory or, or something, and I'm like, oh, I, I never knew that about you. And it's interesting, you know, all, all these years, 26 years of marriage, six years of dating, I've been, you know, with her longer than I've been alive, you know, without her. But yet, I still occasionally learn things about her, but those, those times are becoming far you know, less frequent. My parents, when we moved back from Brazil in 2018, we shortly after that celebrated 50 years of marriage. My mom, in her latter years, began to forget some things. But oftentimes, people couldn't tell because as dad and mom had been together for so long, Dad could often easily complete her sentence, and if she momentarily thought or forgot her train of thought, he could fill in because they had been together so long. With God, it'll never be that way. We can't know God so well that we're like, well, there's I, I really not a whole lot more to learn about God. Paul says, no, the depth of the knowledge of God, it's unsearchable. So may we never get to a point and say, yeah, boy, I've been saved 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and maybe you're even here and say, I've been saved you know, 50 years or more, but you still have a lot to discover about our God. Look, you know, think about just the universe itself, and that will remind you as, uh, as we think about all the galaxies and stars that we don't even have a clue that exist. That's just one element of a part of God that we truly don't fully understand and won't this side of heaven. Not only that, but secondly, we need to continually increase your appreciation of God's redeeming work. Humbly recognize your need for growth. You haven't arrived and I haven't arrived and we won't this side of heaven. But also continually increase your appreciation of God's redeeming work. We'll see in verse 12 here and, and verse 14 of Philippians chapter 3 a couple things that, that fuel Paul's passion to grow in Christ, that fuel his desire to, to have that surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ better. Look with me in Philippians chapter 3, 12. We see a recognition of Christ's initial pursuit should motivate you and should motivate me to grow in Christ in return. It certainly did Paul. Philippians 3.12 says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And some versions translate that, that Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. And because Paul was on his way to Damascus and he was a persecutor of the church, but because Jesus Christ gloriously saved him, Paul is motivated said, Christ pursued me, and, and I want to pursue growing in Christ in return. He was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. I think that's an impactful phrase, an impacting phrase. That Christ made us his own, and certainly now we have the opportunity and the ability to respond back, return back that love. Several weeks ago, during a Saturday evening Bible study, Sean and Anna Wu have given testimony that an a exchange student from China was laid hold of, if you want to put it that way, by Jesus Christ. 
She accepted Christ as her Savior. And you remember the day that maybe you were laid hold of. And we've heard of several testimonies throughout the last three years of this church plan of how God, what your story involves and how God brought you to that point. And I want to challenge you, don't lose sight of that. Don't forget what Christ saved you from. Remember that he initially pursued you and may that motivate you to pursue him in return. Secondly, in verse 14, we see a recognition of Christ's purpose for saving you should motivate you to fulfill that purpose. Recognition of Christ's purpose for saving you should motivate you to fulfill that purpose. That's why Paul says in Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul once again elevates and, 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 and says, Jesus Christ, you're the one that called me. It wasn't because I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. It wasn't because I was circumcised the eighth day. It wasn't because you know, I was so, so zealous and so passionate. And then I was good and you thought, oh man, Paul would be a great one to have. No, it's because you called me an upward call. That forward facing, the idea that I have called you, that Jesus has called you and me for a purpose And that purpose is exactly to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And the longer that we live and the more that we learn in Scripture and the more that we draw closer to God, the more we understand that there's so much more that I have to discover. And there's even more things that God would have to change in me, in my heart, in my attitudes, so that I could reflect Christ better. Some of you may recall, we probably don't say it as often as we should, but The mission of our church is we pray that our church would reflect who well in our community? Christ. We want the church to reflect Christ well in our community. The second part of that is we want the community and we pray that the community will be reflected in our church. But the first half is essential. It doesn't matter if the community is reflected in our church if we're not reflecting Christ in the first place. If our church becomes more of a social club and just a time to get together and have some donuts and maybe a lunch here and there and and some parties, but yet we're not reflecting Christ, we have missed the purpose. The first half must come first. God, may we reflect you well as a church family, as your individual family, wherever you are individually, at school, work, hobby, wherever you're at, God, help me to reflect you well. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 Peter says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, now get this, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Paul's use of the phrase, you know, upward call, Peter's use of the phrase, you know, out of darkness into the marvelous light. Well, for what reason? Well, the upward call, the forward call is to fulfill that purpose, to grow in Christ, be like him. And then, as Peter says, into his marvelous light. And even Jesus said, to be a light into the world. The darker that our world becomes, the more effective or or, or the brighter that our light will shine for Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's easy for us to get overwhelmed and we just think and see things that that sadden us about our country and decisions that are made and even churches that that decide to uh, forego some of the biblical principles 
because of pressure, and we get overwhelmed at times. But yet, the stronger that our light is for Christ in a very dark world, the more effective witness will be. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, Paul challenges the Colossian believers. He says, therefore, as you received Christ, so walk in him. Therefore, as you have received Christ, so walk in him. A little, little quiz, and I don't want you to answer this verbally, but I want you to think about it in your, in your mind. Is the gospel the ABCs of Christianity, or is the gospel the A to Z of Christianity? Okay, don't answer verbally, but think about it in your mind. And this is something that Tim Keller made a statement one time, and it's really thought-provoking. Is the gospel the ABCs of Christianity, or is it the A to Z of Christianity? If it's the ABCs, then once we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and have that eternal destiny uh, confirmed for us, then the tendency is if we look at the gospel as the ABCs, we can look at, again, salvation as just an eternal insurance policy. I know Christ. It's settled. Then that's it. But if we understand, no, the gospel really is the A to Z to Christianity. And I must reflect back on what Jesus Christ has done for me. I must never forget that. I must reflect back on why did Jesus save me in the first place? Was it just to provide a, a, a need for me? Was it just to give me an eternal presence and promise in heaven? Or was there a purpose far greater than that? Certainly includes the heavenly eternal presence with the Lord, but also is meaning for us to become more like Christ and to reflect Christ well in every aspect and circle of influence that we're in. So walk worthy of the calling of God. Third, intentionally pursue growth in Christ. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Uh, we see a couple words here that just screams, be intentional. Be intentional. If you pursue different degrees in education. Who's working on, um, you're just in elementary, middle school, or high school? Okay? Don't be embarrassed. Raise your hand. Yep. Would you like to finish someday? Would you like to get a diploma, David? Yeah, okay. Is that going to happen by you just, you know, waking up and just kind of showing up at school whenever you want to and Maybe studying for an exam every once in a while. Are you going to graduate if you have that attitude? You're not. Well, he's smart. He's a smart high school student, right? Let's, let's give him a hand. That was, that's good. That's good. Now, anybody working on a college degree? I know there's some, so raise your hand if you're working on a college degree. Awesome. Some teachers take the mindset of, hey, it's, it's your problem. If you want to come and listen in class, great. If you don't want to come and miss, then, hey, more power to you. But let me ask you, if you miss, you say, you know, today I just feels like a beach day. I don't really feel like it's a school day. I just, you know, I, that's just kind of how I feel. So I'm not going to go. And then another day, man, this is a Culver's day. I mean, this is just a time to get a butter burger and just kind of hang out. This really isn't a school day. And you continue that throughout your school career. Are you going to finish and graduate and get the diploma? What do you think, college students? Man, they're smart. They're smart. 
The further you go up into your master's program and your, you know, your doctorate programs, the more rigorous and stringent oftentimes those requirements come. You have to be intentional. Any athletes? Raise your hand if you're an athlete or you, you, you enjoy sports, you enjoy physical activity, okay? You've got to be intentional about that. It just doesn't come naturally, but yet with Christianity, sometimes we think because of the fact that, yes, I can't be saved just on my own, so, so God certainly is, 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 is responsible for my salvation, and as I respond in faith and accept that gift, then that salvation happens. But sometimes we take that a little step further, and we think, well, because of God's you know, involvement in my life, then I just coast through. There's not a whole lot of intentional purpose that I have to put forth. But Paul, Peter, and throughout the New Testament say, nope, that is not the idea. Look with me in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I do what, Paul says? Press on. I press on. It doesn't give the idea that, you know, I just... Kind of when it's convenient, when it works out, uh, when I, when, you know, if I really need something, then I'll talk to God. No, I press on, he says, to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And then notice verse 14. What does this verse start with? What three words? I press on. I'm going to seek you. I'm intentional about this toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. How intentional are you about growing in Jesus Christ? How intentional are you to discover part of that depth and unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ? There's a young man that uh, we became friends with, and he was part of our church, the last church plant in Brazil. His name was Lucas Freitas. Lucas had a, a burning passion to become a medical doctor. But the way the educational system works in Brazil is very interesting. If oftentimes to get into the public universities and to pass the test and to be able to get in, you have to go to you know, elite private schools that are ridiculous amounts of money. So those who don't have access oftentimes to those you know, very expensive elite private schools will either have to you know, uh, go to sub, uh, not as high of a level universities as like the University of Sao Paulo, for example, or study on their own once they finish high school and study and study and study in hopes that they'll pass something kind of like the SAT to get a scholarship into the public university. And this was where Lucas was at. He wanted to become a medical doctor. He didn't have the finances. His family didn't have the finances to go to a private university for medical school. So he had to study. Studied the first year. He was a very diligent young man and he studied and he, he went and he, he took the test. Didn't pass. Second year, he studied more, and he studied more, and, and we, some, some of us would even say, Lucas, I mean, you, you really want to be a medical doctor? Yes, absolutely, that's what I want to be. I want to be a medical doctor. Second year, studied and studied, and we prayed for him the day of the test. Didn't pass. Third year, we're like, Lucas, man, are, nothing else interests you? I mean, no other path? No, this is what I want to be. I want to be a med- medical doctor. Okay, study and study, and we're praying, we're praying, and he goes, and we pray for him the day of the test. Didn't pass. Fourth year, and I, even some of you made the facial expression that I made, kind of like, Lucas, I mean, 
when are you going to call it a day? You know, when, when's it going to be kind of like, you know, this is it? Fourth year, he studies and studies and studies, and his parents are still supportive. And says, yes, you know, this is, this is important. This is your dream. I think, you know, we think you can do it. The fourth year, he studies. He doesn't pass on the initial uh, round, but you, he was on a wait list. But unfortunately, when they sent him an email to call back, to somebody canceled out, and he had the opportunity to call back and get in, he didn't see the email in time, and he lost his spot the fourth year. We were devastated for him. The whole church family, like Lucas, man, we, we don't know what to say. Fifth year, study, study, studied, studied. He finally passed. He's in medical school today. Now I pray, Lucas seems to love the Lord, and I pray that he will continue not to just be so passionate about medical school, but I pray that he will also be passionate about knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and knowing him more. But I want to challenge you, if you, you know, for in our Christian life, how passionate are you? Would you, as Lucas did with that passion for medical school, do you pursue those things of the Lord with the same intentional attitude? I have to say, oftentimes, I'm tempted not to. It's difficult to measure. We don't give out diplomas here at One Hope Church. You know, after you're here for five years, we don't give you the, the five-year level mark of Christianity. You don't come to a 10-year and we have a 10-year celebration of, oh, you've reached the 10-year knowing Christ mark. That doesn't happen. It's hard to measure, you know, how well do I know Christ? How much have I discovered Christ? And so because of that, sometimes it's easy not to be so intentional as Paul was. I press on. I press on. I want to know Christ better. Be intentional. Secondly, stay focused. Stay focused. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Would you repeat that phrase with me? One thing I do. Here we go. One, two, three. One thing I do. Once again, one thing I do. Now, for some of you, you might fill in the next blank with a number of different ideas. Well, the one main thing that I do is, well, for me, the one thing that I do But what does Paul say? But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I look forward to talking with Paul in heaven. Um, I, I think Paul, I don't know if he was an athlete at one point, but throughout the scripture and throughout his letters to the churches, oftentimes he uses imagery of athletics and sports. And as I, I think about this, sometimes he talks about a race, and on another occasion he talks about uh, being a boxer and, and submitting himself and, and disciplining himself to run the race with you know, being worthy. But here we see the idea, and I, I think, and I even see kind of a race in the picture here. I ran track for several years in high school, and the 1,600-meter race was my favorite race. It was uh, the one that I, I that was the best at. So 1,600 meters, that's four laps around the track. And I was coached to every curve that you come around. He said, David, when you come around that curve, you look at the very end of that straightway there, and you press toward the end of that. Don't think about the other three and a half laps you have. 
As you come around the curve, you just press toward that mark, and then you round the curve again, and you go on that straightway one more time. And you just do all of those little goals until you finish the race, David. Another way he coached me, he says, listen, as you pass a runner, I want you to do this. I want you to hold your breath when you pass a runner. I do, what? I'm dying, coach. I'm tired. Four laps isn't easy. Come on, you want to run them with me? No, 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 David, hold your breath because when you pass the runner, the runner, if he doesn't hear you panting and breathing, you're going to mess with his brain because he's going to think, man, this guy's not even tired. He's passing me here in the mile race. He's not even tired, and I'm dying. And so I did that as I would try to pass a runner. You know, I was getting up some momentum. I'd pass a runner as I pass. I would just, you know, like this. And then after, you know, breathe again. But I wanted to mess with his brain. I wanted him to think that he's, you know, he's just falling behind. I have an advantage here. Dad and Kim were often at the track meets. I have to confess, track meets aren't the most fun sporting event to watch. Would you agree? I mean, they're long, and there's time in between the races, and it's just not as exciting as maybe a game of football or soccer or basketball, but the faithful fans were there. Dad and Kim were often you know, at the track meets, and as I ran the 1,600-meter race, they would come to one side and cheer me on, like, go, Dave, go, and then they would run to the other side as I got to the other side and run on. You know, I did not have a split second to be able to kind of look at Kim and go, hey, thanks, honey, for being here today. I appreciate your, you know, your, your, your attitude and just cheering me on. I didn't have a split second to do that. And if I had, my coach would have chewed me out, I'm sure. Because I was straining forward for the prize. And spiritually, there's so many things that can distract us. We can look behind at different things. But Paul says, no, I am forgetting what lies behind. Let's look at that next. What does that mean? Forgetting what lies behind. Several things, the idea here is even past failures don't define us. There's some things that I've done in my life that I'm not that excited and proud about. But I'm thankful that because of Christ's redemption, those things and those moments didn't define the rest of my future. So you may be here this morning, and you might think even right now in your head, some of those moments that you, and things that you've done in your past, you're like, wow, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. And, and those are certainly some low points in my life. Do you think Paul had any regrets for standing and watching Stephen be stoned for the gospel? Do you think Paul had any regrets and when he was called Saul of pulling people out of their homes and persecuting them for following Jesus Christ as their Savior? Absolutely. And Paul says, listen, forgetting what lies behind, those aren't the things that define me, but also we need to forget our successes to a certain point. Because sometimes it's easy, especially the longer that we know Jesus Christ, the longer that we're saved in the Lord, it's easy to look back and go, well, back in the day, this is what I did for Jesus. Now it's just kind of my time to coast and for the next generation to take up the banner. Go ahead. Forget that. God wants you, as long as you're alive, to forget what lies behind. And the next we see, straining forward for the prize. Straining forward for the prize. Forget the past successes. You know, the meals that were made last week, those of you who cook, ladies and men both, for the meals that you cooked last week, are they going to be good in a couple days? So a week and a half? 
You can eat leftovers. Our rule in our house is about a week. After about a week, you begin to see some different colors. You begin to see some gel stuff. And it, it kind of, you know, the food starts to look back at you. And you go, no, 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 I, no, I don't want that anymore. So all the food that was prepared beforehand and kind of left over, that's not going to keep you going. The, the time that you put in studying for your last exam is not going to help you for this exam. Say, Pastor David, those things are simple. We know that. But what about in Christianity? Sometimes we feel like, well, there was a time where I was on fire for God. There was, on time where I, uh, there was a time where I was serving the Lord faithfully. Well, that's fantastic. But what about now? Paul says, straining forward for the prize. You've heard Dad say many times, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. It's interesting. As long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose to continue to strain forward. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it answers the question, what is the prize? You'll see it up on the screens, or if you have your Bibles open, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, doing what? Notice what it says. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That is forgetting what's behind, straining forward for the prize of becoming more like Jesus Christ. Not letting past failures Uh, define who we are, but also not relying on past successes to kind of get us through the rest of our life, but saying, no, I want to strain forward for the prize of Christ. I want to become more and more like you. We also see that staying focused means pursuing spiritual maturity. Notice with me Philippians chapter 3 and verse 15. Pursuing spiritual maturity. Paul says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Now, the word mature here in this passage can also have the idea of, of complete. Some versions even say perfect, not in the, in the sense of without sin, and without any, any blemish or anything like that, but the idea of, of real spiritual maturity, pursuing spiritual maturity. Now, Paul makes a contrast here. We've, in the first part of chapter 3, we learned about the, those who mutilated the flesh or those who looked to circumcision Uh, as much more than just an external uh, sign of the Old Testament. We learned about those who were quick to judge others, but who Paul called even dogs and evildoers because they had a false sense of righteousness. So I think even this, this is a play on words perhaps and refuting some of the ideas that they had of all that we do and the external things that, that we've done and, and practice. Paul saying, Really, if you're truly spiritually mature, you're going to think in this way. Meaning, you're going to humbly recognize that you still need to grow. Meaning that you're going to continually increase your appreciation for what God's already done for you. And meaning that you're going to intentionally pursue growth in Christ. That's what it means to pursue spiritual maturity. Stay focused also means to remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 15. Remaining sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. 
Now, there's both a positive and aspect, I believe, of this phrase in Philippians chapter 3.15. In a positive way, let me just ask you this. Have you ever unintentionally done something that was not pleasing to Christ? But at the time, it wasn't your purpose to sin, but unintentionally you did something that was not pleasing to Christ. My hand is raised. I certainly have. Okay. All of us have because we're humans. But a positive aspect of this verse is as we continue to grow in Christ and as we spend time in his word and spend time uh, in fellowship with him and in prayer, as we spend time with other believers, God will, will graciously show us and reveal to us how we need to change even more. Second Corinthians chapter, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16 says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, but also the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, but also will lead us into truth. That's the positive aspect of this. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So as we continue to come before the Lord humbly, and your humble place might be on your way to work, and your humble place may be at your lunchtime, your humble place may be in the morning, and hopefully it will be at at various times throughout the day where you are humbly recognizing your need for growth and intentionally pursuing Christ. And listen, he's going to show you. He'll show you how you need to change more. He'll show you more of himself and his nature and his majesty and his love and comfort for you. He'll show you. But what's the negative? Well, a couple other uh, aspects of the 2 Timothy 3.16. These are some negative aspects that we see. Negative in the sense that it's not always enjoyable. In the end, it's positive. But for us as humans, it's not always enjoyable. 2 Timothy 3.16 we see that God will correct us through his word. God will correct us through his word. Why? All scriptures read out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. God will use his word as we spend time in, in reading and fellowshipping with him. He'll use his word to correct us. And to show us, David, that, that was a bad, that was a wrong attitude, it was a wrong motivation. It's the wrong perspective. This is how you should think. But also God will correct us through his discipline. Hebrews 12 and verse 6. For the Lord disciplines the one who he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Now initially, we don't enjoy being corrected. We don't enjoy being disciplined. But yet it's for our good. And God, who so loves us, wants us to know more of him. And he'll continue to show us those things. He will reveal that to us. How do we stay focused? The fifth way is building on truths previously learned. Building on truths previously learned. Notice with the Philippians chapter 3 and verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Only let us hold true to what we have attained attained. Who in here enjoys math? I mean, you just, all aspects of math and numbers, I mean, raise your hand. 
Austin, I knew Austin would be one of them. Matt, Austin, Owen, Peter, Barb, Sophia. Good, all right. This is real deep. Okay, you ready? So is it okay for me to just forget? You know, I, at one point I learned, you know, basic addition, subtraction, multiplication. I learned some of those basic principles of math. So is it okay to forget those basic principles and just say, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go on something more advanced. I'm, I just want to do algebra. I want to go to some of those huge equations and figure out those equations. I'm not going to rely on, and I don't really need to remember anymore, the basic subtraction, addition, multiplication. Is that how it works? You have to build upon. You've got to remember, yeah, okay, how do you do this? We've got to add and mat and subtract and divide. You have to remember and build upon those principles to solve the more complicated equations in math. You know, um, what about a 400-meter hurdle race? I never ran hurdles and never had a desire to run hurdles. It did not look fun to me at all. In fact, when it, you, after you see a couple of people, you know, face plow down on the track, it's like, nope, <laughs> not for me. Some of you know Caleb Rains, and he ran the, the hurdle race. He enjoyed that. Do you think a, a, an athlete who runs the hurdle race, yeah, I, I know how to run, and so, but I can kind of forget. I don't really need to know the basics of running because now I want to do the hurdles. Pastor David, that's kind of silly. Well, it is. Because you still have to run. You just have to run and jump and then run again and then jump. And you got to do your legs right. And about halfway through, your legs are going, no, I don't want to lift anymore. And you got to keep doing that. You've got to build upon the basics of just knowing how to run. Now, Christianity is no different. As we get older, as we go through life, we come across more complicated situations often. Sometimes we think, God, I, I want you to help me to get through this, this super complicated situation. God, I, I want you to show me, you know, where do you want me to pursue my further education? Lord, if you want me to be married, help me to pursue who I'm supposed to marry and even to know if I am supposed to be married. God, help me to know about a job transfer that I'm thinking about. Lord, give me peace and wisdom and, and clarity and all these things. Or there's some relationship problems that I'm having with my children or maybe with my wife or maybe with this friend or some other, somebody else in my, at my job. And Lord, help me to, to work through that and to have restoration there and, and a good, genuine relationship with this individual or, or these people. But yet, the basics, the truths that we've already learned, sometimes we don't think they're as important anymore. Don't spend much time in God's Word. We don't spend much time in praying with the Lord. We don't make an effort sometimes to be intentional about fellowshipping with others and allowing them to bless us and encourage us. But yet we want God to help us through the very complicated things in life. And Paul closes this, this part, this passage, in this section. He says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we close this morning?